This is the Four Quarters Podcast, your home court for college hoops and recruiting. Welcome back to the Four Quarters Podcast. I'm Adam Zagoria from zagsblog.com, your online home for college hoops recruiting news, plus tons of upcoming NBA draft coverage. Joined by my co-host and running buddy, Josh Newman. Joshy, what's the word, my man? Good to see you, my man. This weather's kind of putting me in a bad mood, but we'll get over it. We're going to get some sun back. We're going to get the spring going, play some ultimate, some tennis, <laughs> hit the beach. Our guests today on the Four Quarters podcast include Jonathan Givoni, Givoni from DraftExpress.com, who will join us to talk about the Kentucky guys in the draft and other potential picks coming out. We also have Christ the King head coach Joe Arbitello and his star guard Raleigh Alkins on the show to get the latest on Raleigh's recruitment and Joe's take on Chris Mullen and St. John's. We'll also chat about the coaching carousel and all the big recruits at the Jordan Brand Classic this week. So let's get to it. First quarter, now joining us is Jonathan Gavoni. Jonathan, thanks for calling in. Thanks for having me. Jonathan, let's, uh, we got a lot to talk about. Let's do an overview first on uh, these Kentucky guys. They just had seven guys declare for the draft this week. Uh, this past week. Is that unprecedented, and do you think some of these guys might go undrafted? I think it's pretty close to unprecedented. I can't remember how many Carolina had the year that they won with McCants and Felton, Sean May, all those guys, but I think it was close, but not quite seven. Um, Will any of them go undrafted? I think that um, probably five are locked to at least get picked. And then the Harrison twins are, you know, the big question mark. Some teams, I, I, I being out in Portland this past week gave me a real chance to go over a lot of different players with a lot of different NBA people. Uh, pretty much every GM was there, so I, I got to pick a lot of brains. Some teams say they like them. They think they're second-round picks. Some of them say... I wouldn't touch them with a 10-foot pole. They wouldn't get drafted if there were 10 rounds. So it, it, there's a real, it's a big discrepancy. I think a lot of it is going to come down to workouts, um, background checks, interviews, the physical, and and what the staff at Kentucky is telling people too. Um, you know, they're they're probably going to pump them up to most teams, but you know there's a, there are teams that are very close that certain guys on the staff have a way of getting information. You know, all the info on James Young last year was not very positive, for example. So they don't, um, if a guy was, you know, didn't behave, you know, off the court the way they wanted, teams will, teams will figure it out. And I, I think we'll get a better idea of that as we get closer to the draft. Jonathan, it's Josh. Um, in, in the last couple of weeks, you had moved uh, Carl Towns up to number one in your latest mock. Is that pretty much a clear-cut thing now, or is there still some debate in your mind about who might go number one? It's not so much of a debate in my mind as it is much, as much around the NBA. The teams that actually have the picks, they're the ones that matter you know, more than what I think. I think that it's definitely not a clear-cut thing at this point. It really depends on which team gets the pick, what their bigger need is, their style of play, existing personnel. And also, again, it's uh, for those guys, the background checks, the physical, all of that is very important. You know, we've seen cases in the past where um, very highly touted guys go into the pre-draft process 
don't check out medically the way some people would hope. You know that there there, there are some long term concerns that are raised about you know their durability um, or their background. I don't think it will happen with Okafor in town that those two are both you know supposed to be tremendous kids, but. A lot can happen between now and, and, and the end of June, so I, we're going to have to see this kind of play out. I don't think it's a LeBron situation where one guy is just so much overwhelmingly better than the other that you know anybody would just pick him. We have to see who's going to get that pick, too. And on topic, if you're the Knicks, one, do you think Phil Jackson knows what he's doing? And two, would the Knicks even be better off picking at number two so they don't have to make this decision between Okafor and Towns potentially? I mean, who am I to question Phil Jackson? I mean, the amount of NBA championships that, that he's won, I mean, it, it really speaks for itself. The guy's a Hall of Famer. So, I mean, I'm just some kid in his mom's basement, you know, <laughs> next to Phil Jackson. So, um, do I think, I think that they, I think that he's going to figure it out, you know, who, who, and what was your second question? Would the Knicks be better off picking at number two? So maybe they don't have to make this choice between Towns and Okafor. Cause if you're picking two, the choice is really taken out of your hands. I think that's a real, like, that's a, that's a way like losers look at it. You know, let's let someone else take the tough decision. <laughs> Any team in the NBA is going to want to have um, the 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 ball in their in their hands and say, "Hey, I want to be the one that makes the decision." I mean, to have it taken out of your hands, it's definitely not ideal. Just uh, it's Adam Jonathan. Just to follow up on that, I mean, it seems like Okafor is more of a pure center, back to the basket, traditional center. Towns perceived by some as more of a like a face up four. And you know, you and I both saw him in high school. He can step out and shoot the three which he didn't really do too much at Kentucky. But um, are you hearing from NBA people that, you know, that they're viewed as, as different in that way and, and also that maybe Towns is better defensively? Yes, but I think that Towns is probably going to be a center in the NBA, and I think that his game is better suited to the center position right now the way that you're seeing it evolve than Okafor, you know, just because a center in, in today's NBA game needs to be able to protect the rim, and that's something that Towns does and Okafor doesn't. And the fact that he can step out outside the paint and open up the paint for the guards, um, you know, can make plays, can pass the ball, can shoot it, like you said, I think that makes them even more valuable as a center. You know, you look at a guy like Marc Gasol, he really, you know, he's one of the best centers in the NBA. He doesn't spend all that much time, you know, just around the basket. He probably, you know, 50% of Memphis's offense runs through him at the high post. Uh, and the same thing for, you know, a lot, a lot of, a lot of very talented centers in the league right now. So, um, I, I think that Towns is early on in his career is going to be a, more of a center, um, but that that's a good thing to me, not 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 a bad thing. And just to follow up on the Harrisons, uh, Jonathan, you mentioned them before. I mean, you know, I've been accused by some BBN fans of being obsessed with this story. I, I admit that I can't get enough of it. I'm. I'm just curious as to, you know, what if one of them gets drafted, what if one of them doesn't. Um, it, it seems in the people I've talked to that they say Aaron has a specific skill set in that he's a shooter and you know what he is. Some of them don't know what Andrew is other than that he's a big guard, although he did play pretty well, um, you know, against Wisconsin in the semifinal. You have Andrew ranked and you don't have Aaron 
Um, can you just explain a little bit on, on where you are with the differences in those guys? I mean, for a guy who is a shooter, supposedly like Aaron, you would have liked to see him shoot better than, what, 29%, 30% or three right. over his career. Andrew is supposedly the worst shooter, but he's shot the ball better. So that's where that, you know, shooter tag doesn't really stack up outside of, you know, a couple of big shots he made in the NCAA tournament last year. Right. Andrew is a more versatile player. He's a better passer, and he's a better ball handler, and he's, he's more creative. And so Aaron, to me, is the one is a you know he's a shooter who can't shoot, and like there's just like there's a thousand guys like that out there. You yeah. know, I mean, it's not hard to find someone like that in Europe. He's not particularly athletic, uh, you know. So that's where the thing about Aaron, like, if let's say you ignore where he was ranked in high school, you know, is he even like does he even get like a um, does he even get considered as a draft prospect? You know, if he's playing at Miss at Ole Miss or Mississippi State or whatever, and he just had the last two years that he had. No, that's a, that is a great question. You make a great point. Yeah, Jonathan, just to switch gears, um, the Duke guys in the draft, besides Okafor, a guy like Tyus Jones, you know, whose stock kind of rose during the NCAA tournament, a guy like uh, a Justice Winslow who, you know, has kind of played himself into that top, you know, five, six, seven range. What can you tell us about guys like Jones and Winslow as the draft process kind of um, – you know, kind of picks up here? Well, if you look at where Tyus Jones started the year on my mock draft and you look at where he is now, you will, and there's really not much of a change there, you know. So to me, when people start talking about the tournament and guys that just stepped up and, 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 and raised their stock, they're thinking about, like, you know, Patrick O'Brien and people like that that kind of came out of nowhere. Tyus Jones was the number one recruit in high school basketball leading into his senior year. Everybody had him over four, and then had Towns ranked like 12th, you know. So he's a pretty well-known guy in NBA circles. He was always considered the number one point guard in his class. He, he, he won everything there is to win with, with um, USA basketball in, in the FIBA settings. So... You know he's 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 a pretty safe pick. Um, I don't I don't view him you know as being kind of like a just a one hit wonder and just a guy that you know I would say more of an Aaron Harrison is probably more of that than Tyus Jones is. Uh, Decker the same thing really you know Sam Decker came into this year ranked 12th I think on my mock draft and now he's like 14. So. That's what, if I were an NBA team, the guys that would scare me are the ones that really did nothing in their career and didn't have any type of reputation and just kind of um, surged to the NCAA tournament. And I think that those days are kind of over now. I don't really see anybody in the draft like that right now on my board, but you, you never know. And just uh, to follow up there on Justice Winslow, Jonathan, I mean, I'm a big fan of his, you know, ever since high school. I think he's a great kid and a really tough competitor. Do you think he could kind of, you know, go in the top, you know, could he be the third or fourth pick and really surprise some people, or is he going to be more like five to eight? I wouldn't be surprised. I have him ranked number five now. So if he went four, it wouldn't be the biggest upset of all time. So, I mean, it really depends who gets picked, you know, what their needs are, um, you know, the system that they play, I mean, you know, we're seeing Kawhi Leonard, what he's doing right now for the Spurs, 
And someone might just say, heck, I, I have no chance to find a wing stopper who can shoot threes and is intelligent and rebounds and does all the things I need for my system. So I'm just going to take, you know, Winslow at four, even though Draft Express has him at five. You know, it's, I don't think they're going to hesitate on that one. Yeah. Jonathan, I know that you touched on this yesterday on Twitter. Um, if you're Chris Dunn, what would you do? I know that you have him somewhere in, uh, you know, uh, the teens right now. The Providence staff is telling him if he comes back for a fourth year there, he's a top five pick. What would you do if you're Chris Dunn right now? Well, you know, Adam asks me this question all the time. Should this guy leave? Should that guy stay? And I really, really am hesitant to publicly tell people publicly, you know, what to do with their life. You know, I feel <laughs> like it's a, such an individual, personal decision that every kid needs to make based on how much do they like school, um, how much do they feel they have still to accomplish at the college level, how much better can they get, um, how much financially do you know could you know being a first round pick help you? So I, I don't really get into that kind of stuff unless someone you know reaches out to me privately and says, okay, can we break down the pros and the cons? What do you think? Um, you know, what are you hearing about my draft stack? That kind of thing. So when Chris Dunn's case is a little bit different because he's had the, the, the shoulder injuries, and um, you know if he God forbid. Um, you know, gets hurt again, you know, tears the shoulder. And, I mean, like, that could be the – that could be, like, the end of the road for him, honestly, as a draft for us. But you don't – I mean, that's – shoulder injuries are very, very scary. So, I, I think that he's going he's gonna to have to be really careful with that decision. And, and, honestly, he's projected pretty high. So, it would, be, it would be mildly surprising to see him go back. But we've seen, you know, Marcus Smart do it. We've seen Joe Kim Noah do it. Um, we've seen it happen quite a bit. And Jonathan, Adam, again, let's shift gears a little to the Nike Hoop Summit. You know, you were out there in Portland killing it, interviewing everybody out there, talking to NBA people. Just give us a sense of what is the, uh, you know, the themes coming out of there. I mean, it seems like, you, obviously, you moved Scal Labissier, the Kentucky commit to number one. Uh, everybody I talked to was pretty high on Scal and Ben Simmons. Did they emerge as the as the two top prospects from the Hoop Summit? Well, you know, I don't think we got to see the best of Jalen Brown. Everybody was – all the NBA guys were very high on Jalen Brown. After the McDonald's week, they felt like he performed really well. And in the scrimmage that they were at in the middle of the week, he, he didn't play because um, he of our hip flexor. So – and in the game itself, he did not have his best showing by any stretch. So – um, I think that those three guys came into the week as the top three prospects on everybody's board, and they left, you know, the the that week as the top three prospects on everybody's board. So um, I think Scal definitely helped himself. Ben, to me, was up and down through the week. He was amazing in the last day of practice, and then he was amazing in the game. And that's probably going to be your lasting impression. Um, so. But you know, again, we have we have a whole season of college basketball to debate this, and it'll be really fun, especially with um, Scal going head to head with Simmons in the SEC. I mean, that'll be great. Yeah, just with Scal, I saw one NBA GM, I guess maybe told Paul Biancardi that he reminds him of Anthony Davis. I mean, is that a fair comparison? And and how fired up should BBN you know be about this kid? 
he's different to me than Anthony Davis. You know, and everybody just wants to compare guys to other guys from school, from their college. You know, it's um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, I think he's super talented. Um, I think he's 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 different than Anthony Davis to me. He's seven feet tall, and um, you know, he's um, he's not quite the shot blocker that Anthony Davis was. He's definitely a better shooter at the same stage. Uh, I would be very excited about Scal if I were a Kentucky fan, regardless of whether he compares to Anthony Davis or not. Jonathan, it, it, you know, it's still really, really early, but when you take you know, Scal and Ben Simmons and some of these other you know, really, really stud 2015 kids, how good could this potential 2016 draft class be? I think it's really weak, honestly. I'm pretty down on it. Um, I, I don't see a lot of depth to it right now, but... Um, we're hearing that there's five or six guys that are, you know, in the first round of 2015 that are probably going to not declare for the draft and be in 2016, and that will help quite a bit because right now it's a really, really weak draft. Uh, and those five guys would include who? Maybe a Chris Dunn? Yeah, Pirtle, um Bobby Portis. Um, who else was there? Karis Levert. Right. Um, Christian Wood, mm, Stanley Johnson. I'd be surprised, but you know there's an outside chance of that one. There's one more guy that I'm forgetting, but I can't. I can't. Remember yeah. And just you know, one thing I always find interesting, and I bother you about all the time on texts and phone calls, which I know you love, is uh, <laughs> when you move guys from one year to another. I mean, like you know, for ex- example, last year you moved the Harrisons from 2014 to 2015, and now I saw you just moved Jamal Murray the Canadian point guard who had a great hoop summit game into 2016 and looked like you moved Ivan Rab out. Um, can you just talk a little bit about those two guys and, and generally what, you know, when you move somebody, what that means? It, it, it means different things, you know, like for the Harrisons, it's different than Murray. Like the only draft that Murray is eligible right now would be 2016. And that's only if he decides either the same Canada and enter the draft as an international prospect born in 1997, or if he reclassifies now, goes to college, and then is one and done. So those are the two options for him. There's also a third option from his standpoint, which probably most people think is is the most realistic one right now. We'll see about that, which is stay in Canada for one more year, then commit to a, uh, a college as a 2016 kid, and then may, first draft he'd be eligible for is 2017. So um, it really it, it really varies, you know. Um, you asked who is the other guy besides Murray? You asked that? Oh, you had I think you had Ivan Rab and Ivan Rab. And I know I mean, you, honestly, you also man, had Isaiah Briscoe. I wasn't impressed with Ivan and Rab. I don't know if he's a one and done guy. Like I think that I think he's got a long ways to go. Um, uh, we've been keep waiting for him, you know, to turn into this tantalizing prospect that you know that. We thought he would be two years ago when everybody had him number one in this class, and it just hasn't materialized. You know, he runs kind of funny. He's not super athletic. He's got some nice skills around the basket, but, you know, I mean, I don't see him being like a devastating back-to-basket guy like a Julio Okafor. So in some cases, I like to take the standpoint of, hey, let's let this guy go to college and earn it. You know, instead of coming into college, everybody says, oh, he's a top ten pick on draft expresses board, and, and then it doesn't materialize that way, and I look at it like an idiot, and he looks like a failure, you know, why not just take the opposite approach and just let these guys go out and prove it themselves? 
Yeah, and I guess the same logic would apply to Isaiah Briscoe, right? I know you and I saw him against Montverde. You had him as a top 10 or 12 pick in 2016. Uh, now you moved him out based on what? You didn't think his conditioning was up to par? Or? I, his conditioning has actually gotten better. You know, I just don't know, you know, what he is right now at the NBA level. You know, he's going to be playing next to Tyler Ulis, so he's going to be the point guard there. Uh, we'll see if Malik Newman commits there or not. And he's going to have to have the ball quite a bit. Um, he's not a great shooter. He's not a great defender. So I think, to me, he's another one of these guys that kind of has to prove it a little bit at the college level. But, you know, I'm not afraid to admit a mistake. Like, you know, when, uh, when D'Angelo Russell started tearing things up, he didn't start the year on my board. He just rocketed him right up into the lottery. I mean, I don't, I don't have an issue with that. Yeah. So um, right. guys go and prove it, like, that's awesome. I'm happy for them. All right, last question, then we'll let you go. Uh, St. John's just got a commit from Yankuba Sima, 6'11", kid originally from Spain. What can you tell us about him, Jonathan? Well, I saw quite a bit of him at the Albert Schweitzer tournament about exactly a year ago today. It was one of the first time I laid eyes on him. He's very athletic, 6'11". He's a monster rebounder. He can shoot some threes once in a while. He's not a great shooter. He can block shots. It's an unbelievable commitment from, to me to get that kind of kid this late in the game. It really kind of tells you about the kind of job that St. John's is doing uh, on the recruiting trail. I mean, this is probably, a, to me, he's a better prospect than anybody St. John's had, you know, during the Lavin regime. So, I'm 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 impressed by it. I don't know what these other colleges were thinking, not you know, not letting this guy kind of roam free. I know he didn't have a great year in high school in Florida. I know Arlington Country Day was kind of a mess. Um, I probably some schools were scared off by how many of their kids have been ineligible the last few years, and that might be part of the reason why he was still available. But on talent alone, you know, I, this guy is a pro prospect. So uh, I think he's. Uh, I'm very excited as a New York City native to be able to go see him so close to my house. All right, my man. Great job. You and I will get out and see him next year at the Garden, and uh, we'll talk about him. Why not in Queens, stuff. too? We, only the Garden we're going? Uh, we'll go to Queens, too, Coach. Wherever you need, any, Anywhere you need me to drive you or get you to, we'll go there. <laughs> Sounds great. All right, Coach. Thanks for your time. Keep up the great work. Thanks a lot, guys. Take it easy. For the full version of this episode of the Four Quarters podcast, check out zagsblog.com. And you can also subscribe to the Four Quarters podcast on iTunes. Search for the Four Quarters podcast. Find us, subscribe, and please rate and review the show. We'd love to hear from you.